the last couple of years were just such a learning experience indeed. I, I think that really for the first time in my life, I felt that it was okay to set boundaries for work, which is something probably for the first 15 years of my career, I had no boundaries or had very poor boundaries. But now that we've gone through COVID, now that I'm a parent, now that I do feel like I've proven myself in the workforce, like I do have stronger boundaries where on the weekends, they're really for my, my child. Like I'm I'm not going to take calls on the weekends unless it's urgent. And, and I mean, there are urgent, especially when you're running a company or brokering a sale. Like, But for the most part, I do try to enforce boundaries. At least now I feel in a state where I want to enforce them. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. And great ideas can come from anywhere. The people at Gray have a long history of finding and creating famously effective ideas. And so with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creators, artists, founders, and leaders from different industries about how they came up with their best ideas. And that's Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll discuss how a good idea can come from anywhere, at any time, even after a medical emergency. Hi, I'm Jason Connor, Global Chief Client Officer at Gray. This week, we're discussing the idea behind the maternity and wellness app, Expectful. Gray EVP Account Director Elizabeth Gilchrist connected with Natalie Walton, Expectful's late-stage co-founder, about the pivot she made to turn Expectful from a meditation app to a pregnancy app that supports mothers. Natalie spent nearly a decade climbing the ranks of Silicon Valley with tech giants like Airbnb, Google, and eBay before deciding to go all in on entrepreneurship. In 2019, after she experienced a traumatic high-risk pregnancy, she came across the meditation app Expectful. She was so moved by the user experience, it eventually led her to an advisory position in the company that quickly blossomed into a CEO and late-stage co-founder role. After joining Expectful in September 2020, the company closed a $4.2 million seed round in her first 90 days on the job. Since joining, she has grown Expectful from a meditation and sleep app to a holistic wellness platform for hopeful, expecting, and new moms. In 2022, Babylist acquired Expectful, and now Natalie serves as Babylist's VP of Brand and Social Impact. This is Natalie Walton. Expectful is a wellness app for fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood. And my journey to Expectful is is a bit unique. So I was pregnant in 2019, and I had a high-risk pregnancy where I was told that I would not make it to term. As you can imagine, hearing that news, it creates a lot of anxiety and stress in one's life. I was looking for support. And I came across Expectful, which at the time was a meditation and sleep app for fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood. And I started doing some of Expectful's meditations. And really within a week or so, my condition stabilized and I made it to term, which was something that none of my doctors thought was possible. And what's incredible is we actually have research that shows why that happened. But so I came to Expectful because I first used the product. And when I was on maternity leave, I had the opportunity to advise Expectful. And then that advisory role turned into me becoming a late stage co-founder and then the CEO of Expectful. It's an incredible journey. 
I understand that pivoting of the company happened largely because you were pregnant and you had your own experience. Was there anything else that inspired you to bring Expectful to life in this new way? I gave birth at the, right before the pandemic happened. And I think just my experience as a mother, my experience as a Black mother, where there's just really unfortunate outcomes for so many Black moms in the world, but but really for all mothers. I mean, there is just a lack of support for mothers. We see statistics that show that 42% of working moms struggle with anxiety and depression. And I just, through my personal experience, I, I saw that there's just a lack of focus on mental health for mothers, particularly new moms, and certainly in pregnancy. And so given that I had just gone through this incredible experience, and I I had this background in working in technology for over a decade, I just thought, wow, I have this, I have this vision of what actual help could look like, what support could look like. And so I wanted to take my cumulative experiences and bring that into reality, thus changing Expectful from just a meditation and sleep app to this larger wellness app and and now actually a media experience that supports women throughout their entire journey from trying to conceive all the way through that postpartum period. It's amazing. I feel like fate came together in, in many ways here. Did anything surprise you along the way with this journey? Was there any moments in time where you just didn't expect one thing to work and it did or I think the most beautiful thing about becoming an entrepreneur and particularly in something that you care deeply about and perhaps something that is underserved because um, quite frankly, a lot of moms reach out to me and say that this is an underserved area. In some senses, I, I think, wow, this was actually somewhat easy. And what, what I think or I sit in disbelief is how many people, when you're building a mission-driven product, fulfilling a deep need in society, I, it's, it's amazing how many people want help support you. And so I think that I'm most energized, inspired by the people that want to support me. So I mean, I, just hundreds of people reach out to me on LinkedIn um, and Instagram, and they're encouraging me saying like, I wish I had this when I was pregnant, or I wish I had this as a new mom or, Hey, I know someone that's working in perinatal, um, like mental health, you should connect with this person. And so I think when you're building a product that solves a tremendous need in society, the whole world conspires to help you. And so that is the most beautiful thing about building this and has, was a surprise. I coming from a background where I spent a decade working at eBay, Google, and Airbnb, um, you kind of don't have people that are like going out of your way to help you on something. But here, people really go out of their way to help me. You led me beautifully into that next question. Can you give us some for instances on how people help? I mean, there's a little bit of the networking effect that you just mentioned here, but what were some other ways that kind of people showed their support and their help? So, I mean, I've had people that have helped me through fundraising. So in my first 90 days um, at Expectful, I raised our seed round. I raised $4.2 million and I'd never fundraised before. And so I literally came in and it's day one, you need to fundraise. And I've 
I, well, I've never fundraised before. How do I do that? And I, I think one of the beautiful things about running a mission-driven company is people want to help you. And that was in one of the ways of is fundraising. And so people would make introductions here. I know this investor that is interested in supporting mental health or this investor is interested in supporting founders of color or women founders. And so like that is one very practical way that people have helped me. But I think one of the best helps has just been connecting to other founders in the space, people that are solving similar or adjacent problems that have helped me think differently about how I'm approaching a problem. And I'd say the last is users. Um, I get so many users reaching out to us. Most of it's positive, but some of it is also constructive. Just the feedback that, you know, someone could take the time to write you a two or three page email about like what they like about your product and like what you can do better. I mean, what a gift is that? It's it's not like, I, I think that there's probably a lot of apps, like your Uber is probably not getting love letters or maybe they are, <laughs> but I can't think of many apps that like get love letters about their product. And so, I mean, it's also our users that have helped me make this product an even better product. So I kind of feel like the whole world is coming together to make this vision a reality. Incredible. And I think you said something really interesting there, and I kind of can't believe that there would be, but were there critics of the idea? And if so, what did they say? To be honest, there really weren't too many critics of um, what we were trying to do, but there were people who didn't understand. Um, that is for sure. There, there are people that didn't understand it. And I'd say that one of the challenges about raising, um, running a, a woman's focused company is that, you know, it impacts women. Um, so if you have not carried a child, if you have not, um, fed a child with your body, um, and if you, if you aren't like, yeah, growing human, it's kind of hard to have that empathy and understand the challenges that mothers go through. So certainly I had a couple of, you know, very, interesting conversations. I'm going to leave it at that with um, some male investors who, when I would share that the U.S. healthcare system is failing mothers in, in pregnancy and birth, they would just sit there and scratch their head and say, how are we failing? Like, I don't understand this. Like the healthcare system is great for moms. Like we do such a great job supporting moms. And I think it's like when you have that level of information gap that you have to inform someone that maybe you're not a critic, but you just, you know, you don't get the problem. And and probably we're not going to persuade you in the 30 minutes that we have that this is a problem worth solving. But fortunately, fortunately, I'd say that there are many more, like for every 19 people that wanted to support us, there was like probably only one person that was like, I don't quite understand. So I think that's progress. For sure. Was there a moment for you, a moment in time where all of a sudden you're like, this is going to be something, this is going to be something big? I think that it was probably, it's, I think a lot of entrepreneurs say this is when people who are like outside of your first, your second, your third degree connections are reaching out to you and saying like, I love this app. And they're like trying to find, they're trying to hunt you down. I mean, I think what was really cool about Expectful or is cool is that we have such a global user base. And so we have women uh, that um, are using our app in like Morocco and in, in Indonesia. And like, I, I mean, 
I've been to these countries, but like I don't intimately know people in these countries. And then having these women from these countries reach out to me and say like, this app has helped me tremendously through my pregnancy. I think what is cool is not only is it someone who I like, I absolutely don't know, but it's also something that's crossing cultural barriers that um, like I can't even understand. I don't know what it's like to raise a child in Morocco or Indonesia, um, or I don't know what it's like to be in pregnancy, but whatever it is, I'm creating content that speaks to the human experience. And that is really cool. It's like that you can build something that anywhere around the world will touch someone. That's where I'm like, oh, there's something here. It's amazing. I, I mean, even to think about that as you're truly being a global citizen is something that most of us never get the chance to do. So I'm just, again, I'm still in awe. How long from when you first had the idea to get involved with Expectful to when it relaunched? How long would you say that process took? Was that days, weeks, months, years? My journey, I mean, again, my journey is pretty unique in that I was, an, I was a user and then I was an advisor. So I formally joined Expectful as the CEO and late stage co-founder in September of 2020. And then I came on board and I said, told, like I had a fundraise. Um, and so I had to immediately come up with what is my big vision for Expectful? What am I going to fundraise a seed round on? And that was to create this large platform of wellness encompassing all types of wellness for fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood. In order to build that vision, I had to raise money to hire the right team and to invest in it. So it took me about Q4 of 2020 to fundraise. Fortunately, I was able to do that quickly. And then really within the first quarter of 2021, I was able to build Expectful 2.0, let's call it, um, and start gradually rolling out um, this bigger vision for Expectful. So I'd say from the moment that I joined to the relaunch, it took about six months. Um, and then gradually, like we kept iterating, which is uh, something I think someone should always do. You shouldn't just come out with like a bang. You should um, get it, iterative feedback and keep um, progressing. But I'd say six months is what it took. Impressive turnaround. I think most people would hear that and think six years and what you accomplished in six months. Where did the courage or drive come from to make this happen? I know that you you shared with us, and that's very personal, so thank you for sharing with us, that you were pregnant and you had received this very difficult news and then surprised everyone by finding a solution. But where did that come from? Was that just a moment in time or is that long nights thinking through? I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you made that um, that choice happen. So it's, it's like, a, it's a journey. That's what I will call this a journey. I mean, I've always been, I think, hardworking um, and performed well throughout my career. But I think that there really came a point of introspection, which happened. One, it was fueled by 2020. And I think that a lot of people had time to step back and really evaluate the path that they were on. And I'd say the second thing that happened was I became a mother, which might seem counterintuitive, but it really just, I think the two combined of having the chance to think about what I wanted to do with my life and then being a mother was, was really the realization that I just have one life. And, you know, I don't know if it will be long. I don't know if it'll be short. But if there's a challenge in the world, if there's something that I want to do, I have one attempt. Or I mean, maybe I have multiple attempts, but I, that, that's not a given. Like, so this was my attempt to solve this problem and throw myself into it. And I think I got that courage from becoming a mom and wanting to 
demonstrate what it means to live the fullest life um, for my son. And so, I mean, while I became a mom, I mean, really with an infant, I took on the hardest job of my life. And I've worked in investment banking. Um, I've worked in tech companies. Like, I mean, I've had many careers where I've worked those 70, 80, 90 hour weeks. But I happened to do this as, as a new mom. So like, you know, take on that workload with a child. And I, I think a lot of people say that's, you know, it doesn't make sense, but I've never been more energized to um, like live my purpose. I'm sure he helped become that drive. That's amazing. Was there a failure you had to overcome in the process? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, becoming a first time um, co-founder entrepreneur there's like failure after failure <laughs> and you have to, you just have to learn quickly. So, I mean, I think that what's interesting is prior to this, I had spent my career in biz dev product partnerships, business operations, and I'd worked in rather large companies. Um, and so in those companies, you know, you don't necessarily get the chance to work with accounting or social media or finances or HR, like you don't run 15 different departments. You focus on what you do and what you're supposed to do well. And as an entrepreneur, you have to be a quasi expert or at least know how to run things. Like I had to know how to think about accounting. I had to think about like our parental leave policy because I was doing many things for the first time. I had many failures, but it's just, I think the beauty of being an entrepreneur is figuring out how do you learn this as quickly as possible and correct any mistakes and move on? So to answer your question, I, I had many failures because I was doing things for the first time. Um, and I guess if you really think about it, I had a coach that would tell me, you know, how are you feeling if you're doing it for the first time? You're doing it the best that you think you can do. So that's, I would say, I would reframe it that I did a lot of things for the first time the best that I could do. <laughs> that's an amazing perspective to have. And to be honest with you, there are people who do the same thing. There are things I do over and over again, and I still have failures. So that repetition is a muscle memory for sure that, that aids you, but it's not the only thing. If you could go back to day one, what would you have done differently? So you've had some of these failures, you've learned along the way. Is there anything that you think you would have done differently? You know, I, I actually don't think that I, I would do many things differently because, um, I'm just so thrilled at the outcome of, of where we are. So um, in very late 2022, um, Babylist, who is the leading vertical marketplace for everything related to baby, acquired Expectful. And in that, we have this huge vision for how we are going to support mothers and families in parenthood. And I, from the time that I joined Expectful to the acquisition, it was 28 months. Um, so imagine like coming in at a pre-seed stage, fundraising your seed round, building a company so that it can be acquired. That to me was just magical. And so, I mean, sure, I made a couple of errors here and there, but I think the outcome is tremendous and phenomenal. And it's like something I pinch myself to think about the impact that I get to have every day. So I would not change um, anything. Okay. Because I was going to say, did you ever think of throwing in the towel? But it sounds like absolutely not. Was there ever a moment where you're like, oh, I'm over this? <laughs> no, I, I think that this like brings up a really important topic. It's like, did I think about throwing in the towel? 
Yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't, didn't say that. I mean, entrepreneurship is hard. And a lot of it, as like the one person in charge, it falls on you. I mean, we've had a lot of challenges. If, if you look at the 28-month period when I was leading Expectful, there, one, our engineers were in Ukraine. There's a war in Ukraine. So, like, I mean, that created a lot of stress for the team. Women's rights are being attacked. Um, in 2022, we had just constant attack on women's rights and, consequently, women's health companies there were changes in the marketing landscape. There was iOS 14.5, which really just changed marketing and advertising as a whole. So there were just a lot of headwinds that I faced. And I mean, I think what's challenging is when you are that CEO co-founder, particularly if you raise venture capital, you really can't, like, you can't leave. This is yours. It's You've got this beast strapped to your back. And it's like, it's, you've got to, you know, figure out how to embrace the beast and, and become friends with it. And so like, that's what I had to do. So absolutely so many challenging times, but as a CEO co-founder, it's like, it's your baby and you've got to learn how to embrace the difficulties. I think what you're saying is so important, right? If you get tired, you have to learn to rest, not to quit. Our lovely Banksy said that. And there's those moments where I'm sure you were doing it all and you said, okay, I just need to take that mental moment to reset yourself. Is there a place you go or a thing you do when you're in need of inspiration or to get out of your own head? So, I mean, maybe this is too cliche because I was writing a meditation app, but I, I do meditate quite frequently, like a lot. Um, I Because I use apps, I can see how much I've meditated I think in the time that I was at Expectful meditated close to 12,000 minutes. Um, and that's sort of looking at least about 6,000 minutes a year that's like with an app. And I think that there's nothing that is better than turning inward. Um, it's like you can take a vacation, it, everything around you can stop. In particular, because I became an entrepreneur when I became a first time parent, my sleep was really impacted. And I think meditation really helps just calm your mind and helps me get a better sleep. So that is, that was like a tool that I use to escape. Like if I'm going to escape, I'm going to escape within my mind and just shut everything out and reframe things. So sorry if that's cliche, but it works. <laughs> no, I think it's phenomenal. I was actually listening to, um, I've just discovered Tim Ferriss. I've been living under a rock <gasps> apparently. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> But I was listening to his interview with Hugh Jackman and Hugh Jackman was talking about the importance of meditation and what that does for him. And I was sitting there going, I need to really find some time to do this. And I'm sure it'll be life-changing for me as well. Check out Expectful. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I knew nothing about Expectful until Joey reached out to me. And I was like, I'm a mother of two who now literally I have friends who are pregnant right now. And the first thing I did was like, check out this app because I didn't have this when I was pregnant. What was some of the best advice you were given along the way? So this is going to be contrarian. So I hope you don't mind. I did receive a lot of advice and some of it was helpful advice, but I also received a lot of bad advice and a lot of advice that didn't suit me. So I think as an entrepreneur, like, depending on who's giving you advice, it might not be for the right stage company that you're in. Um, so some of my investors might give like 
advice for a series A company when I was a seed company, or I'd get coaches giving me advice that you'd give a pre-seed founder when I was a seed founder. And I'd say that this is advice that I had to come up with myself is that as a founder entrepreneur, as a business leader, as anyone, you really have to filter the advice that you're coming in, that's coming into you and figure out how to apply it. Because a lot of advice is not, while it's, um, might be well-intentioned, it's not for the right stage. And it took me a lot of time to decipher, you know, is this, is this person that's giving me this advice? Are they qualified to give me this advice? Um, do they know my specific situation of advice? And once I started picking that up, I actually started making fewer errors. I mean, I think some of the hiring mistakes I made were from well-meaning supporters, but that they were just, they were supporters that were used to coaching companies that were far more beyond where I was. And so I'd say advice that I will give to people is really be thoughtful about who is giving your advice and what type of advice that you apply to yourself, because it's very specific depending on where you are. Sounds quite a bit like the advice we get as moms, right? Yeah. You get, you get advice from everyone when you're a mother and you have to understand what's the right advice for your family and for your kids. But curious to know in good ways, bad ways, in any ways, how Expectful has changed now through the acquisition and how it's maybe gotten stronger or maybe, again, new things that you're learning along the way with the acquisition? Yeah, I'm happy to answer this question. So joining Babyless has been phenomenal. Um, I think that when you're a smaller company um, and you're acquired by a larger company that has just tremendous resources, really in terms of like human capital and financial resources and, and just lots of knowledge. You're able to apply that knowledge to your baby, expectful, um, in a way that you just can't as a standalone app. And so I'd say the best part about the acquisition is just we have experts in almost every field, whether it's product management, um, whether it's content, we have, we're have we getting to work with those and bring them on to Expectful. And so we're kind of going through an Expectful 3.0, which will be out later this year, but the result is going to be phenomenal. And it's something that is so much greater than anything that I could have achieved with our previous team. Um, and so that's the beauty of an acquisition is like, you know, sometimes one plus one equals 500. Um, and, and this is one of those scenarios. Amazing. I think one, I hope that with that acquisition, you're able to get the word out. We're excited that we're able to talk to you today and, and get the word out this way as well. Um, I'm going to take a step back to the advice you were given and ask you to give some advice. So what would you say to someone like you who has an idea as good as yours was, but has no clue where to start. What would you say to them and what advice would you give them? So something that I've noticed um, as a founder is really the power of that founder-led brand and building a following as a founder, particularly if it's like an idea that you're really passionate about and it's a mission-driven initiative. So what I recommend is like, talk about your product and like build a following. So whether that's on LinkedIn, whether that's Instagram or Twitter and build a following uh, and build a community of people that you can rally around your product. Because 
One of the most difficult things today, particularly in the world of marketing and advertising that we're in today, it's, it's like, it's not really difficult to build a product, but it's really difficult to build an audience and a community of people that love your product. So if you're able to build that by energizing and rallying people around what you stand for, your beliefs, and then you, with them, you create a product, I think that you'll be in a really great stage. And that's something that you can do if you have a day job. You can write on LinkedIn a couple of week, like days a week about your idea and your, the problem you're solving and the solution. And you can just rally a commu- community around you. Um, and so I think that we're going to see more entrepreneurs start in that way with the community first and then building a product versus having a product and then a community because doing it that way is actually really, really complicated. Almost like crowdsourcing all of the information you need to build it correctly. I've been at Gray for 15 years and one of my big objectives after my first child, my son, Ethan, was to get our parental leave changed because I didn't feel like it was where it needed to be in supporting parents. And, and Gray being the company that it was came and rallied around us and really helped. Curious to see what approach you take to supporting mothers and people who are expecting or people who are thinking about expecting both maybe at Expectful and now with baby list. Yeah. So, I mean, this is one of the most important things that I think as a company just or as an institution, someone can do. And, and that is like, how do you support your, um, how do you support your, your, your parents and coming up with a family? I mean, I, this was a question that I had to face. Like I built a company for parents. And so I had to model that, um, behavior when at expectful. And I think it's, it's, you know, a more difficult thing when you are running a very early stage company versus a later stage company. And so like in terms of thinking about parental leave, I always think that it's really critical to have the parental leave match the birthing parent and then also the non-birthing parent. So that is something that I advocated for with in our company. And also it just making sure that even beyond what we were able to give as a company, um, supporting our our teammates to take as long as they needed and would like. And we had that quite often because any company that is built for parents, you attract a lot of people that have babies. So we had many expectable babies in 2022. There's an interesting question. Women get asked it all the time, but it's one of our favorite things to ask. I just was on a panel and, and we were asked this question is, there's so much that goes into being a leader at a, at a corporate company, to taking care of family, to maintaining a home. Um, maybe you're closer to my stage of life too, where you're also maybe caring for parents. The question we always ask is like, how do you do it? And more often than not, we just get the, well, you just do it. But wondering if you can unpack that for us a little bit more about what that looks like to you. How, how do you manage this all? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's really important to talk about this because um, that's really, by talking about it, it's, it's the only way that, for one, like I was able to see how other people do it and hopefully I can inspire others to do it. So I, I, the short answer is, is you need help. You can't do it alone. Um, I'm fortunate that I have a partner who is a true partner and supports our family and supports my ambitious career. So, so that, that is, I think that's probably one of the first things is like, if you don't have that partner yet is, um, 
think about that before you find that partner. There's a, a great book out that's called um, For Love and Money by Maya Strober and Abby Davidson. And um, so I, I attended Stanford Graduate School of Business for business school. And back in 2010, I took their Maya Strober's class, which is called Work and Family. And in that class, um, she talks about having what's called a contract conversation with your partner before you even have kids, before you even get married to, to say like, this is what I want my future to be like. Let's go through the scenarios. Like, what is it going to look like? Who's going to take care of the children? Like, how, how, what is help going to look like? And so like 13 years ago, I had this conversation with my boyfriend, who's now my husband of like, how is this going to look when we decide to have children? Like, who's going to care for our child? Like, I have an ambitious career. I'm not stepping back. He has an ambitious career. He's not stepping back. And we had to have those conversations about like 10 years before we actually had a child. And having those conversations really forces you to make hard decisions. Also make sure that you're bringing on the right partner, like that is going to support your ambitions. There is no question that like, Hey, I might be the person that runs, goes, leaves their comfortable job and starts a startup with a six month old. Like that was not a wild card. That was probably on the table. So I say like finding, finding the right partner is, is a really big one and asking for help and paying for help too. It's something that, you know, people can say like, well, I can't afford the help. I think that it's important to maybe think of the first couple of years of building a family as like, Maybe I'm going to save less. Maybe I go into my savings or maybe even I go into a little bit of debt so that like I can maintain my mental health and stability. It's not going to be this way forever, but if I can figure out a way to support myself and my family in this time, it's going to pay off in the long run. So those are some of the ways that I've approached it that have enabled me to run a startup, you know, with a small child, uh, with a partner who has also a wildly ambitious career. I think that, look, it's so honest. When I answered the question, I I was very transparent. Of, I don't cook most of the meals in I the don't house. cook. And I, I pay to have someone come clean every two weeks, but I also don't go buy myself any sweaters anymore and I don't go to cool parties. Like I just, you, you definitely learn to prioritize. I think it's great that you were able to show that you are a planner at heart and you planned things out as much as you could. That's phenomenal. Another question that I think is really important for corporate leaders who are also women and mothers ask is, when was the last time you felt vulnerable, whether that could be personally or professionally, and do you think it's okay to be vulnerable in the workplace? Oh, absolutely. We're just getting over flu season. <laughs> and I think that no one can argue that the last couple of years have been really hard on the immune system, particularly for small children. And so there have just been like weeks over the last over the last couple of years where I'm just where my family's wiped out. Where like my son is wiped out of daycare and he can't show up at school. I'm wiped out. My husband is wiped out. My father-in-law like we're, our whole family is wiped out and I just can't do it like I literally can't I can't do it if I have a sick child that is like sleeping on me and I'm also sick myself and so I think that like as, as a parent I, where I've had to be vulnerable is just the fact that like I can't do it all um, there's certain things that are beyond my control and I think flu season is one and so sharing that when I was at, at Expectful I sh would frequently share that with my team 
And it was really helpful because everyone else on my team was going through the same thing or when, or if they weren't, when they did go through the same thing, they would see, okay, it's okay to, if you have to take care of your family, if you have to take care of yourself, like that, that's important. Um, and over time you will make up the work, but it's really more important for your mental health, for your well being, really for your employee retention to just have that vulnerability. And so I, something that I've had to practice quite frequently over the last several years, particularly as there's every type of virus on the planet has seems to have surfaced. I could, I can't agree with you more. I, my son and my daughter both have the strep something virus after, and it was a week and a half. And it really did teach me a, a couple of big lessons about myself, about what do you have to turn on and turn off in order to, to fully unpack it all. What is the encouragement you would give to new working parents? I mean, I I just salute you and uh, I salute all new working parents and just acknowledge that it's really tough um, and that it might take a while to get your footing. Uh, For me, it took me well over a year and um, trying to get all different types of help. And what I'd say is you're not alone. I mean, particularly on the mother's side, 42% of working moms have anxiety and depression. And so if that's something where you are those one out of two people that experience that, I encourage you to seek help. Because the thing is, a lot of a lot of people are struggling, particularly as working parents, moms and dads, or whatever you want to call yourself, all parents are struggling. I don't I don't know anyone that says, Oh, yeah, this is a breeze. I've 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 got this. Um, everyone is struggling in their own way. And so if you do find yourself struggling, I encourage you to get support either through a therapist or through like a mental health app like Expectful, um, or, or just talking to a friend or a family about it because the the sad thing is like we're all probably struggling and the more open you are about it, the the more help that you can get and, and be on your way. Wow, that was such an inspiring conversation. Natalie has gone through so much and has such a unique story. Liz, what impressed you the most about Natalie? I mean, Jason, where do I start? She's a powerhouse. What she achieved and how she achieved it is so incredibly inspiring. You know, during the interview, she touched on it really briefly, but her journey to expectful was what stood out for me the most. Um, You know, it started when she was pregnant with her son, Everett. And she had this great first trimester and everything was smooth sailing. And then she was dealt this devastating blow at her 20-week ultrasound. And she was told she was this high risk for preterm labor. And if she wasn't careful, her baby could be born at any time. And that's kind of how she left the appointment. She just left feeling fearful and not armed with the right information. And she experienced firsthand that failure of the U.S. healthcare system to really nurture the mental and emotional well-being of expectant mothers. And I mean, instead of getting furious, she got curious. She discovered how meditation, acupuncture, nutrition, yoga, and all these other techniques can help her manage stress. And then, you know, she joined Expectful. And so she just developed this crazy warrior's mentality. She carried her son to term. And as if that wasn't enough of a feat itself, then she took it up a notch and joined Expectful as a new mother. Right. She had a newborn at home and she went and joined this company and and then transformed it in amazing ways. And I'm just I'm in awe of her. She's a total risk taker, not afraid of failure. And, uh, you know, I don't know when people bite off more than they can chew and chew it. I'm always impressed. So finally, I would say she had incredible humility for someone who has achieved so much. Like if I were her, I'd be so much more braggadocious about it. So 
I just enjoyed the, the conversation immensely and she was amazing. That's amazing. I love what you said about instead of getting furious, she got curious. That's that's so great. So I think I know the answer to this question, but did you try the app yourself? You know, I have. And anyone who knows me knows I'm wound way too tightly. Um, and after my conversation with Natalie, I decided, you know, why not just try some of these meditations? Why don't I give it a go um, and see if they could help me? And I have to say they're amazing. Really, they've helped me focus on the present, be more self-aware, increase my patience and tolerance, which is crucial because I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old running around the home and that's the first thing to go. So, I mean, I personally would say I benefited most from letting go of control, shocker. And I also really like their sleep songs, not just for me, but for the kids. I play them through our Google Home. So the app has helped our whole family, actually. It definitely sounds like it. it has. Now, can you tell other folks how they can learn more about Natalie and Expectful? Sure, it's easy. I would say start with their site, so expectful.com. And if you can't spell like me, that's E-X-P-E-C-T-F-U-L.com. Or you can just simply download the app. It's super easy to navigate. And while you're there, there are just so many important resources for moms. But what I really think is amazing is that it can help everybody. Like the meditations are not just specific to moms. So check out those articles, the tools. I really suggest everyone give it a go. It's going to help wonders. That's great. Thanks, Liz. And before we go, I have to give you a big public shout out. For those of you who don't know, earlier this year, Liz was awarded the She Runs It Working Mother of the Year 2023 award in the new moms category. And Liz, you are absolutely the perfect person to receive this award. And everyone at Gray is so incredibly proud of the work you do both for us and your family. And it was an honor and a privilege to be in the award ceremony, watching you get this great, great honor. And um, we just couldn't be more proud of you. So that does it for us. This week, the podcast team and I would like to thank Gabrielle Licasqueta. If you'd like to hear more creators, founders, and inventors discuss how they use their own journey to tackle big problems, then check out all past podcasts in this feed. Reach out to us with questions and comments on Gray's social channels or via our email address, podcasts at gray.com. And lastly, tell someone about our show to help us share these ideas with the world. I'm Jason Connor, and thanks for listening to Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. Gray Matter is hosted by Jason Connor, produced by Samantha Geller and Samantha Alvarado, mixed by Guy Rosemarin and Amanda Fuentes at Gramercy Park Studios, with post-production support from Ned Martin, Robin Frank, and Kyle St. Agath. Marketing and administrative support by Christina Hyde, Adrian Hopkins, Marcella Basilar, Kevin McManus, and Gina Cuneo. Editor and executive producer, Joey Scarillo. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.